Welcome on back into the Slinging Sports Podcast with your host, Jake Finnerty, your co-host, Wally McKeon. Wally, Season 2, Episode 3. Feels great to be here, as always. Back in person, as always. How are you feeling this week? I'm feeling really good. I'm on a monumental high right now, and I really want to get into the highlight of the week immediately. Um, And this is the first time that I think I've had a sporting event directly influence my highlight of the week. But my highlight of the week, we'll get to it more later in the episode, is the New York Football Giants starting the season 1-0, just winning a football game. It's the first time they've won a game since November, I think. They ended the season on an 0-6 skid. It's nice to be back in the win column, um, especially after a very, very rough couple of years. Say not, not only that, it's the first time in six years, well, Wally. I, wanna, well, I'm, I don't want to spoil anything. Hey, we're going hey, to get into course, it more. Of course, we'll get into it more. But all the, you know. all the intricate details and facts about the Giants, um, but just having a victory Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, enjoying this week, it has been very, very nice. Um, what about you, Mr. Jake? What's been going on in the life uh, of the Finn? Well, my highlight, uh, I wish I could say that my team won this week. Uh, sadly, they didn't. It was a, it was a battle. But uh, I, had the, I have the pleasure to say that I went to that game. I was at the Jaguars Commanders opening game. Pretty cool. Um, first game of the year is always great to be at, but it's just a different feeling. It's my first time ever seeing the Jaguars in person live. Awesome. And we sat... Two rows behind the Jaguars bench. You had good seats, man. It was amazing. It was so fun. We were in the sea of Jaguars fans, which was not good for my friend Colin because he was, uh, he was yeah, he was being surrounded by the opposing team. He's a Commanders fan. Um, but he got the win. I got the atmosphere. Yeah. It evens out. It's a pretty, um, pretty cool first but, uh, first game as well. The first yeah. Commanders game in history. First Commanders game in history. Franchise. First first game for first overall draft pick Trayvon Walker as yeah. well. That's uh, that's monumental. And we'll get into him. We'll get into that game later. I've great got a lot started. to talk about that. Uh, but, you know, great highlights. Great week. Football's back. That's something that's great and that's always that's a, highlight. a highlight for the whole fall yeah that's a highlight that's a highlight for america uh, <laughs> football's back um let's get right into it nhl one thing Quick uh stop. jordan Cairo is Cairo. yeah Cairo yeah. signs an eight year 65 million dollar deal with the blues uh last year he had his career high ever 75 points um also a career high in goals at 27 and assists at 48 um Great sign for the Blues there. It's a big keep move. Him, keeping him on. It's a big move for the Blues as well because back in July, his teammate, Robert Thomas, a defenseman who's a year younger than Cairo, also signed an identical eight-year, $65 million deal. So St. Louis is locking things up for the future um, as well for the head coach, uh, Craig Berube. Great foundation for him. who was extended this past season. He was extended in February through tw- the 2025 season. So Blues have got some good pieces in place. Looking forward to the future. Um, they, had a, they had a tough series against Colorado, um, I think, yeah. in the second round this year in the playoffs. Um, but they're looking – things are looking up. Looking the, found, up. the foundation is starting to yeah, be formed. There. So they're uh, they're getting their they're getting their pieces, their ducks in a line, per se. Um, <laughs> they're getting everything together. Um, but over to the NBA, uh, some broadcasting news. Dwayne Wade will not be joining TNT this year. Is there any reason why? I haven't really read into it, but um, I'm not really too upset by it. Uh, D Wade wasn't really my favorite on the mic. I can't lie. I didn't um, when I when I thought of watching basketball, I did not hear D Wade's voice. 
He like, yeah. Off the top I, of my head. I mean, he was only on a handful of times, I believe. He wasn't really big on on TNT, but he was there for a lot of the pregame, postgame stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, he wasn't really a big presence, but I mean, even just ever since D Wade hasn't really been in the league ever since he retired. Um, a lot of the things he's been involved in regarding the NBA has been a little bit iffy to me. Uh, specifically, the dunk contest when he was one of the judges. It yeah. was just, I, I don't know. I It was just very, he, he's been rubbing me the wrong way. I, I don't like, I don't dislike D-Wade. I love D-Wade, but um, was not the best on the mic in my I w- opinion. I wonder if after stepping away from TNT, he's just going to step away from the media spotlight for a bit. Maybe, but he is a partial owner of the Jazz. All right. Well, so you can, you can go to a couple of jazz games. But yeah, keep your distance as well. Yeah, focus that's on true. your family, have some fun. It's very true. Enjoy yourself. Um, Russell Westbrook selling his Los Angeles mansion. Do you think he's on his way out? No, no, I don't. <laughs> and I also think if you were Russell Westbrook and have the money that he has, you would own a thirty million dollar mansion in L.A. and you would be happy to sell it to go buy another one. I don't think it means anything. I'm also willing to bet. Probably 90% of all professional athletes who make over $15 million a year have a house in Los Angeles and are selling, downsizing, upgrading. Um, I think it's a coincidence having to do with everything that occurred in L.A. this offseason with Beverly and Westbrook beef and all that um, and a new coach in uh, Ham, but I don't think it means anything. Well, I was going to say, too, last week when we were talking about Patrick Beverly, his pe- his press conference, everything like that, it wasn't like there was any signs of them wanting to, one, force Russell, Rus- yeah, Russell Westbrook out. Russell Westbrook it. looked very, like, pleased with Patrick mm-hmm. Beverly and everything like that. Mm-hmm. I think it was, uh, like you're saying, I think it's coincidence. I think yeah. I think he's looking for a bigger estate, maybe, in, yeah. in L.A., looking to upgrade, get, a, get a better ocean view or something. Yeah. I don't know. Get a house um, with, a, with a water slide. Yeah, we'll, nice. s- we'll see. <laughs> but uh, I don't think he's leaving. Um, Robert Sarver. Fined ten million dollars and suspended one year after violating workplace standards. Um, awful circumstance with him. He's a Just, yeah, absolutely disgusting. Uh, used racial slurs five times to refer to statements of others. Mm-hmm. Um, just not 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 much more we could say. It's just kind of honestly, like just disgusting. It's kind of weird to me how, like disgusting human beings and the things that they say in the sports world like a coach or a player versus the owner because Harvard's the owner of the yeah. Suns so he can pretty much like there's there's no one above him he's, no. he's the top dog but you look at people like John Gruden who's equally as disgusting and said homophobic slurs and lost his job with the Raiders borderline blocked out of the NFL as you should be you should treat humans like humans it's interesting how the top dog does the same thing, fine ten million dollars, which is pocket change for him anyway, and suspended one and year. And only doesn't, suspended a year. Does, He's doesn't not feel even, like enough. No, feels not like, at all. Feels like it could be a lot. Not more at all. And I mean, if you're a part of that organization, you if all this comes out yeah. as well, like how could you feel proud to be working under this guy? How could you feel either? safe? And how could you feel safe? Not only the that, just like players, like players, they're really as gonna well. feel like their ownership, their leadership is really representing them the way that they would like. Awful look for the team. Awful look for the franchise. Awful look for the organization. Awful look for the NBA, I would like to say. Mm -hmm. I mean, just disgusting that these people are allowed to 
actually be running a team and mm-hmm. face minimal uh, yeah. consequences. It's it's just there's not much you can do. I mean, but it feels like there should be more that you sh- that you can do. Yeah. Um. In lighter news, uh, let's get to the MLB. The Dodgers were the first team to clinch the playoff, and they have also clinched the National League West. However, on the opposite side of that, uh, the Nationals were the first team to be eliminated from playoff contention. Which is equally as impressive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I feel like t- with 20 games to go in the season at this point, I feel, I feel like, like it's pretty more, respectable I feel like more for the te- first one. Yeah, more. Now. I feel like more teams would be eliminated by now, but if they're the first team with 20 games left, I mean... Hey, there's, like, there's still a chance for those last place teams is all I'm hearing. I feel like there was a, in years past, there would be teams eliminated in like mid-August, yeah. late August. Yeah, it wasn't are... even, it was, half the time it would be like the second week of August. Yeah. Um, But that just shows, I mean, these teams aren't awful. It also shows how freakishly good the Dodgers are. Yeah. 55 games above 500. Yeah. It's insane, yet I don't hear about them at all. It's I, just, I, well, be, it's, more, be it's more because, like, you don't need to hear about them. Yeah. Everyone well, like, everyone knows what the Dodgers are. Everyone knows who's on the Dodgers. Everyone knows they're absolutely insane and great, and it will always be that way. They have the money to spend on the players. They have the money in the franchise and the, the history that they're always going to have a solid team i feel you don't really need the headlines plus we also do live on the east coast i was about to say we live so on the east play, coast they so play not, a lot of the later games I've, i don't watch that many dodger games period because yeah. of them being out west yeah past my little bedtime so um <laughs> speaking of another team out in out in los angeles though mm-hmm. mike trout slightly missed history it was by one game he hit for six con- he he hit for a home run in six consecutive games but missed out on the record for home runs consecutively in games uh, in his seventh after he go, after he went 0 for 3. Just adds fuel to the fire of the sadness of Mike Trout. Not that he came up a game short, but the fact that his team is 20 games under 500 and he's that close to history and he has a generational talent right beside him in Shohei Otani. And yet, again, no one's talking about them. Despite no. Them, them, they put up record-breaking numbers every single week. And I thought and, and I thought that whole team was going to be great this year. I had yeah. them winning that, that division. Did. but We were very high on them. They just, I mean, the injury with, injury with Trout uh, hurt them as well. But that team, in, in all honesty, was just disappointing. Mm-hmm. Uh, in one word, them. they just have not done anything. Mike Trout will always be in doom and in limbo there. It's, there's mm-hmm. not much to do with him or for him, which is frustrating, but, uh, I mean, not much more you could say about the Angels except for one word, and that's disappointing in yeah. my eyes. Uh, Mets and Braves still absolutely going at it. Mm-hmm. Mets are now up half a game on the on the Braves, uh, and this dogfight is not slowing down one bit. No, they've been flipping back and forth. Last week, Atlanta took over for the first time, and since then, it has been nothing but back and forth this entire week. Um, they're right there; they're right in it. It's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see how this finishes out. Um, we've been saying the Mets are gonna met; the Mets will be there. Uh, I don't know what's gonna happen. Uh, right now, Max Scherzer tonight is pitching in or er, for Syracuse, I should say. I don't know if the game is in Syracuse, but. He is with the AAA affiliate. He's on a rehab assignment. Getting him right. They're they're getting him ready to yeah. come back. 
for the uh, playoff push. But I mean, Atlanta doesn't have much time left no. to keep that spot up if no. Scherzer will be back within the if week. Scherzer's on his way back. That's a yeah. guaranteed four or five wins to close out the season, as well as how they've already been playing extremely well for the entire season. They're 35 games above 500. You throw Scherzer in, though. Um, they're right there. Not much room for mistakes. Not much room at all. Uh, I mean, talking about New York, though. Talking about New York. All talking right. about New York. And uh, even building off of Mike Trout and some history re- regarding home runs, there's a certain uh, guy that I like to call the mammoth, and that is Aaron Judge. Hit home runs number 56 and 57 last night in a 7-6 to win over Boston in 10 innings. Um, he's now four short of tying Roger Maris's AL record. He's got 20 games to go. But let's think bigger picture here with Aaron Judge. Throw out the AL home run record. He should be in the talks for triple crown right now. He's fourth in the AL in batting average. He's .09 behind. He's batting 310. Leads in home runs, obviously. Leads in RBIs with 123. With 20 games to go, that's enough time for pe- the three people the way, in front of him to slip. The way he's been hitting as well, I think it's very doable. Last year, uh, Vladimir Guerrero was right there uh, chasing the same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is going to be a monumental finish for Judge. He yeah. will... I think he's like we've been saying this for weeks. He's easily going to get that home run record yeah. at, the, at this rate. Um, yeah. He's not slowing down. There's no sign of him slowing down. And if he keeps hitting these home runs, hitting these base hits, anything, getting on base, that average will go up, mm-hmm. and he will be inching himself closer to even more history, and just absolutely adding on to his MVP resume, which. I mean, at this MVP. point, he's winning he's MVP. Winning MVP. There's no one, no one standing in his way. Not only as he is he inching closer to history, though, but the Yankees as well are starting to inch a little bit closer to the division title. The uh, gap between them and now Toronto is six games again. They're building some space. They're seven and two in their last nine. Um, really, the game against Boston last night, they kept battling back. They were down two nothing, three two, four three. Um, they kept playing back, ended up winning seven six. As I said, um, they've got they've got that dog in them, like they did at the <laughs> beginning of the season, and it disappeared for those five weeks, or not even five, four or five weeks. Um, but it is one hundred percent returning, um, and I think I think they're gonna have a strong close to the season. I said there was never a doubt they're gonna win the division, despite all of the struggles. I wasn't concerned one bit, but there's proof. Proof is in the pudding now. Well. Uh, just across the bridge over in Philadelphia. Uh, what bridge is that? Whatever bridge, bridge you'd of, like. Whatever bridge you'd like. Whatever bridge you'd like. Um, <laughs> pretty close together. Close enough. Uh, <laughs> no, but in Philadelphia, the Phillies are getting two crucial pieces back on the pitching end, which they badly need. And they're finally getting back Zach Eflin and Sir Anthony Dominguez. Um, Eflin has been out for a while was a starter they're gonna work him in in the bullpen to start out see where that goes um any way that they can get him back on the field they need him and sir anthony they've needed their closer they they've needed this guy to stay healthy it's been two years almost since he's been fully healthy this year he's been on and off the field a bit so he's been back uh when he's on the field he's dominant but he hasn't been on too too much now that he's back these are the final two pieces they need their pitching has been 
again, shaky like always. Their bullpen has been, again, shaky like always. But their offense is finally putting it together. They're a game and a half up for the wild card against San Diego. Um, They are rolling right now. Uh, They're playing Miami in a series. They just swept the Nationals. They're getting ready, but they have some tough games coming up. They have two series left against Atlanta. They have to go out to Chicago, um, which Chicago isn't the best team, but playing in Chicago is a tough atmosphere. Yeah, uh, it's going to be a tough end of the season for them, but I think that they'll be able to pull it out. Obviously, I've been saying, I think they're going to make the playoffs. They're going to make the playoffs. They're going to make the playoffs. It's finally the year. Um, (laughs) Bryce Harper is hitting above 300, uh, has finally returned to the lineup again, like I said, two weeks ago. Um, hasn't done too much. I was there Saturday. He did hit a home run that day. It was his first home run since he returned. Um, but this offense is putting it together. They've been electric. They are looking great, looking good, and I can't wait to see what's going to happen with this final three three weeks, four weeks. I'm excited for the MLB postseason ob- for obvious reasons, but especially for you and I watching our own teams go. It's gonna be a red October, baby. Red October. Yeah, whatever you say, buddy. <laughs> Bomber blue. Uh, but now <laughs> it's time for the halftime hustle. It's time to get into it. Let's start it off. Drip of the week. Wally, start us right now. Where are we going? We're going to Cleveland, Ohio, for not a person but a character, a mascot of sorts that has returned. And that is Brownie the Elf will be making his triumphant return to midfield of First Energy Stadium in Cleveland. Um, it's the original logo of the Browns in 1940s. Looks like the Keebler cookie elf. Yeah. Little goofball holding the football in his hand, doing a borderline Heisman pose. Um, I absolutely love it. I don't even understand the history of Brownie the Elf and the Browns and why the Browns are called the Browns, but their primary color is orange and they have the dog pound. Nothing makes sense in Cleveland, but I love Brownie. I think he's cute. I think he's funny. I think he'll be a really nice addition for midfield. I don't, I mean, I love it. I saw when they, when they first uh, put it out there, I immediately loved it. But what I don't understand is, again, like you said, the whole thing with the dog, I thought that their mascot was a dog. Yeah. But, like, I had known that Brownie was around. Like, I had seen logos of him, like, previously. Mm-hmm. I, I don't understand why they're now choosing to bring him back. Like, is the, the dog pound isn't going away anytime no, soon, no, I don't not. think. But also, the only thing I have to say about Brownie is someone needs to teach that man how to tuck it and hold it high. Because that ball that is going to fall out. out. Yeah, yeah, that ball is getting stripped. That was hand back yeah. way too far. Um, <laughs> kind of ironically, my my drip of the week is also has to do with a field or has to do with ice, I should say. Mm. Uh, the Lightning released their 30th anniversary logo for their 30th anniversary of the team and that they're putting at uh, center ice this year. And I think it looks pretty clean. It's cool. Uh, the lightning bolt, you know, their standard logo is used as the zero and the 30. Um, okay. Amelie Arena, the ice, looks amazing. It's crisp. Uh, looks very clean. You know, obviously it looks very clean when no one's skating on it either. Yeah. And you're not getting it all scraped <laughs> up. But uh, it looks beautiful. I love, the new, I love the logo. And I'm hoping they do some kind of patch on the jersey yeah, with it really this nice. year. I think that'd be really cool. So. I think that'd be a good collector's item as well if you're going to buy a jersey. This oh, season. yeah. I mean, you patch. you know me in jerseys. <laughs> I might have to add another one to my uh, to my collection. I got one right now. But 
now on to our players of the week. I think we did we both select college players? Yes. All right, so would you like to start us first? Because mine okay. kind of segues in. I'll go first, and I will say that Finn's player, I won't spoil. I, would, I wanted to pick him. We both, we see, but, we were both going to, and then Wally had mentioned it, and I was like, wait, that's who I was picking, so. I picked, you know, I picked a different guy. Yeah. And as I said last week, when I highlight college players, you don't get enough love. Um, so this week, I'm going with Max Duggan, quarterback at TCU. In his game against Tarleton. Yes, Tarleton. I don't know anything about the Tarleton Texans. But in his game, he's 23 of 29 for 390 yards and five touchdowns. No picks. Passer rating of 249.2. QBR of 92.3. Again, it's the Tarleton Texans. But it is still extremely impressive. Um, last week, I highlighted Donovan Smith from Texas Tech. That's two straight weeks of Big 12 quarterbacks. These guys are doing big things down down south, down in uh, the Lone Star State. Um, so my player of the week, Max Duggan. All right. Well, my player of the, the week. The grand reveal. My player of the week. You'll <laughs> find out why Wally and I both were fighting over this man. Is Garrett Schrader, quarterback <laughs> from Syracuse University. This week in his game against UConn, 20 for 23, 316 scrimmage yards, and five total touchdowns. Yeah. Uh, he's earned spots on midseason QB award watch lists in e at ESPN. He has the third highest completion percentage in all of FBS right now with 79.2%, and he is the highest graded Power 5 QB <laughs> on PFF. <laughs> this man went from being one of the worst quarterbacks last yeah, year to taking precious. a complete 180 and now is looking absolutely amazing at quarterback right now for the Orange. And not to mention, Schrader and Tucker on that offense are absolutely deadly right now. Yeah, they're, they're looking pretty good. And, of course, it was UConn last week, which means absolutely nothing. But, but they're but equally as deadly Mich against Louisville. Michigan too. is playing UConn this week, so I don't want to hear so anything. So what? So I don't want to hear anything. <laughs> so what? Michigan... <laughs> Is having a cakewalk non-conference. Yeah, schedule. yeah. I, I was but. gonna, I was gonna put that in here that we should talk about that, but I didn't. I don't even want to talk about Michigan. Uh, but segueing right into the NCAA, segueing right into Syracuse, Boy. is Syracuse legit? They're searching for their three and O start to the season this week at home against Purdue, and they are looking at a crowd upward of forty-two to forty-three thousand people. They never get anyone to show Pack up for games. Dome. Not not to mention, this is a noon game. Yeah. Nobody will show up for this game if it was not if it didn't mean anything. Mm -hmm. But this team is special. Mm -hmm. And like for context of the attendance at the JMA Wireless Dome, bleh, um <laughs> the week one game against Louisville, that game was like the eighth or ninth most attended for week one for week one opener since like 2010 like it was yeah. not a popular game it was very it was the least attended since like 2017 2018 something like that nobody went to that game because nobody expected them to be any good and then you thrash louisville you thrash yukon and now you have a great not great but a strong power five team in purdue well a big the, a big 10 to team too it's an out well. of it's an out of conference game yep uh the purdue almost beat Penn State mm -hmm. two weeks ago. Penn State's who's and top Penn twenty-five State, now. Penn State is now a number twenty-two team in the country. Mm -hmm. um, if Syracuse beats Purdue, do they get put in the rankings? No, no, they don't. But I do think that they at least get some respect. They haven't gotten a single vote in the AP poll. They've gotten votes in the coaches' poll already. They went from 
so they went they had four votes in week one and this week they went from four votes to seven votes yeah because no one's impressed by beating uconn but i think i think it's going to take a little bit more before before the orange get to the ranking um they're actually in the top 25 but i do think a huge win over purdue would definitely get them in the conversation it would get their name up there i think they'll finally start getting votes they'll finally start getting recognition i did want to say one more thing is that their defense this year they're calling themselves the mob and i absolutely love it they are they are actually doing their own podcast on how they prep for teams like the week of that's pretty and that's pretty awesome i saw i saw it being put out but they've got uh two or three stars on that defense uh mm-hmm. garrett williams and michael jones just two, just two to mention mm-hmm. um those two are amazing uh yeah. i think they're a solid team and they'll be solid in the acc they play virginia next friday as well friday night lights mm-hmm. it's on espn at seven so yeah. we'll be we'll be too. we'll be we'll be talking about <laughs> we'll be talking about that maybe maybe we'll do a little vlog this week for our game yeah check out the think insta about it story. yeah check out the insta uh now on to a team that I hardly even want to talk about, Ha-ha. and that's uh, that's Notre Dame. Uh, Notre Dame just absolutely imploded at home. They got beat by Marshall. The herd. Um, yeah, this is only the second time they've beaten a top ten team in school history. Uh, now Tyler Buckner has gone down with a season-ending injury. Drew Pine is now the starting quarterback, which I know that you want to talk about that <laughs> at some point. Um, the Irish are in fear of honestly just missing a bowl game at this point. I think they're they're not looking great. They already lost Avery Davis before the season started, their top wide receiver, mm-hmm. towards ACL. Mm-hmm. Now you're losing your quarterback, who arguably wasn't even as good as he was projected to be anyway. Yeah. Um, Marcus Freeman is the first Notre Dame head coach as well to start 0-3, Impressive. if you include if you include that bowl game yep. um, before this season. Uh, so go ahead with your Drew Pine stuff before I start talking about this week. And then, I'll, actually, I'll talk about the Sun Belt, then I'll talk about this week. I just want to make a quick comment about Drew Pine. Um, I grew up in the wonderful town of Darien, Connecticut, and just our, our number one high school rival. I didn't go to the I didn't go to Darien High School because I went to a boarding school, but uh, just north New Canaan, Connecticut, where Drew Pine went to high school. Um, so he was the number one rival. Everyone in Darien hated the kid, um, and it's pretty cool to see him work his way up work his way up through the ranks. Um, both Notre Dame all-american game in high school senior year um, it's cool to see him have the starting job I will say when he came in at the end of the game for uh, Buckner he was absolutely atrocious um, his first pass I, I'm was hoping intercepted. I'm hoping a full week of preparation will help mr. drew pine out I'm rooting for you man despite the despite the rival rivalry uh, between Darian and New Canaan but Good luck to Notre Dame, man. Well, the whole thing... What a stinker. The whole thing with Notre Dame as well is I really do like Freeman, but this just is not... This is not the team. Um, no, not at there's all. There's no one... I mean, the the stars that were supposed to be shining have slowly dimmed out, um, or should I say quickly. Uh, they were right there, step for step, with Ohio State up until yeah. the end of that game. Yeah. And then you go back home... And you get beat by a team from the Sun Belt Conference. Yeah. Well, I want to take a second and talk about the Sun Belt Conference because let's also talk about Appalachian State. They're go. absolutely going going off. Yeah. So both teams, Marshall and Appalachian State, are now both two and zero. And actually, Appalachian that's, State is getting so much recognition also that they're not getting two and zero because they lost to UNC. Or, sorry, one and one. But, I apologize. Yeah. Oh, good. <laughs> but um, Appalachian State is getting so much recognition this week 
that they are getting college game day for a game against Troy. <laughs> um, so that'll be interesting to my, see. Uh, I, I've got a friend um, from high school who went to App State for two years, and he transferred to UNC this year. I think he picked the he picked the wrong year to leave Boone, North Carolina. Definitely picked the wrong year to leave. Right, pretty cool. Uh, but one more thing about the Irish, Manti Teo, mm-hmm. love the man. I still have to watch the documentary, so no one asked me about it. But uh, he is returning to South Bend this weekend when the Irish take on Cal. Uh, they'll be wearing their green uniforms, which I love. I'm I absolutely a, love the green I uniforms. Love them as well. I can um, that. Hopefully, they can pull out a win for Manti Teo, but we'll have to wait and see. Mm-hmm. Um, a team that just barely escaped a loss, your team, Alabama. They're not my team. I consider I, them your they're team, not my basically. Team. They're, they're basically your team. I like them, but they're not my team. Um, Ewers goes down. Carr steps up. Carr was solid in this yeah, game. He, enough. He, wasn't, he wasn't anything extraordinary, but you could tell when he got in there he was – Worried, they were off. they they did not want him to throw the ball at all. Mm-hmm. Um, Bijan had a great game as well. Yeah. Uh, but once Carr stepped into his own, finally making some passes, he was airing the ball out. He was doing everything he could. Um, this was the most penalties that Alabama had in the Saban era since two thousand seven. Um, it was kind of odd to see how frazzled and unprepared Alabama was. It was. There were a lot of false starts. There were a lot of delayed games. Choppy. There was yeah, choppy. it was very raw. It was very. Uh, I will I will say though, a rule for football and kind of all sports, good teams find ways to win ugly yeah. games. And yeah. Should Alabama have been as close for Texas? Probably not. Was Texas a little underranked? They probably should have been in the rankings. Period. Now they are, despite coming off of the loss, which is very impressive. Well, I had Alabama or I had Texas being in my first two out. Yeah. This year. Yeah, you're so very high on I, them. I I like Texas a lot, um, and I wrote in here as you just mentioned, even despite the loss, Texas might be the first unranked team to be ranked after losing. I haven't researched that, so don't take that, one hundred percent. I should probably look that up before I say it, but. It's very rare and very odd that you ever see I haven't that. heard of it. Yeah. I haven't heard of I, it. I, exactly. I haven't seen it any anytime recently. Well, either. now, as well, with uh, Texas and Quint Ewers going down, um, there hasn't been much word on what Ewers' injury situation is if he's no. going to play against UTSA this week. Um, and shout out to my boy, uh, Josue Palayas, who goes to UTSA. Um, hopefully he's going to get to go to the game, and he might be joining the media team and get on the okay. field, okay. take some picks of Bijan and the gang. But uh, shout well, out, Joe. So moving on. BYU and Baylor, and to win absolute, it, baby. absolute thriller on Saturday night, yeah. uh, goes to double overtime. BYU is still alive right now. Moved up to 12 in the AP poll. The only really non-Power 5 school that has a chance. That has a chance. Except yeah. for Marshall, maybe. <laughs> I don't think Marshall has a chance. No, sadly. they don't. Um, but BYU, yeah, they're in it 100%. Um, they've got, they're playing got Oregon this week. Oregon's back into the top 25 at number 25. I do think that the Cougars might be a little disappointed that Notre Dame has been so bad this year because they're supposed to have them on the schedule. They do have them that on the is, schedule in October. That game's being played in Las Vegas, too, at, and they the, were, at Allegiant Stadium. They were, they were probably pretty amped up to have a potential top 10 game on their resume. Um, they're not getting that, that's for sure. No. 
not at all. Um, they need they need all the help they can get. But now at this point, just keep be Oregon, and then after that, it's good luck to you. I think yeah. Out. I think after that, I mean Notre Dame is. I think it's still. still a, I think it's. I think it's still a statement win. There's still a respectable, yeah. or respectable team. team. Uh, it's just it's not as name. big of a statement as if they were still top a top ten, 10 team. Yeah, totally. Um, Penn State enters the AP for the first time. We mentioned that a little bit earlier at 22, and they'll face Auburn away. Mm-hmm. Um, is this their first real test of the season? It's their first real test because it's an SEC school, and the SEC school yeah. is not named Vanderbilt. Yeah. So automatically it goes with them. I do think Purdue was a solid test. Um, not playing especially a, a first week Thursday night yeah. game. Yeah. Be in the spotlight going before really anyone else was in the spotlight. Um, and coming off of a 46 to 10 win over Ohio last week was definitely their biggest test. Is Auburn the teams that they have been in the past? No, but I still think, respectable. I think, uh, Playing Auburn and they they started this rivalry at I believe it was last year so it's a two year thing so mm-hmm. I don't know if they're playing next year but uh, I like this I like when teams More play either. out of conference and especially um, with Penn State playing an SEC school um, they're challenging I think themselves yeah I think looking at you Michigan looking at you Michigan yeah I think that's finally respectable though because. Penn State is also known usually for scheduling a lot of those cupcake games and and soft games. Uh, Penn State finally challenging themselves. Uh, they're trying to make a statement in the Big Ten. They had a down year last year. Yeah, they did. Uh, maybe maybe this year they start climbing the ranks a little bit more. I don't know. Um, I'm not the biggest fan of Penn State. I think Sean Clifford should have already been done way before this year. Uh, but... I've heard rumors that Drew Eiler is going to be the quarterback moving forward now. Good, because Sean Clifford is pulling a Hunter Renfro and being in college for like 20 years. Yeah. Get a life, man. Move on. Yeah, he, he can't close the yearbook you're there. Gonna, you're going to get your master's degree and your doctorate as well before you graduate <laughs> or before you leave the team. Uh, so now we're going to do our pick three. We're going to pick three games of the week, and we are going to highlight them and, and you know, some games that you should watch out for. Some entertaining games. Um, I'll start it. We talked about this game right at the beginning of the college football. Purdue Cuse. Mm-hmm. Purdue at Syracuse. It'll be a loud game. JMA Wireless Dome will be bumping. It will be off the rockers. At noon. Um, yeah, at, at noon. noon at noon. Big noon Saturday. Yeah. Uh, we'll see. Can Cuse start 3-0? Big storyline there. I'm going to go with... Uh, well, the two of the other games that we picked were the same, so I'm going to pick the other game that we don't have in common, um, and that is number 11, Michigan State, heading out very, very far west to Washington, um, which is a huge travel for yes. Michigan State. Um, could pen- could potentially mean a slow start, a bit of a jet lag, a bit of some, some, uh, some tightness. You're not all stretched out from the plane ride and everything. Um, it'll be the first Power 5 game of the season for the Spartans. They've had the cupcake schedule the last two weeks. They're up to number 11 in the country. Um, the Big Ten-Pac-12 combination is a little bit odd. We don't see it that often. We see it at the Rose Bowl, for example, but we don't see it many other places uh, during the regular season. Um, interesting storylines. See if Michigan State's for real now that they don't have the cupcake. We'll see. We will see. Um, Texas Tech-NC State. Mm-hmm. Number 16, NC State, looking to start off 3-0 and as well. 
Uh, Texas Tech sur- currently sitting at 2-0. and um, Could be a test for NC State. Yeah, 100%. Uh, NC State is coming off of a blowout win over Charleston Southern. Doesn't mean anything. And week one, they barely squeaked out a win over ECU, East Carolina. This is their first time playing a Power 5 team as well, just like Michigan State. And Texas Tech is riding high. They're coming off of an overtime win against Houston. Um, Donovan Smith's arm might be shot through the ball 58 times in that Houston game. But this is definitely a huge test for NC State. And our final matchup that we both have, the only top 25 matchup on the slate in week three for college football, is number 13 Miami at number four, number 24, my mistake, Texas A&M. For Miami, it's the first big spotlight game for Tyler Van Dyke, quarterback, potential first-round pick this spring. It's a huge rebound opportunity for the Aggies, who just lost to App State. Yeah, we'll see. Um, Miami, there's a lot of... ACC schools that I'm questioning, mm-hmm. and that includes NC State in Miami, which is specifically why I put both of those in here. Mm-hmm. Um, Miami hasn't really had the big test yet. They no. haven't really shown any any uh, teams that they've had to fight. Texas A&M could be that, that, uh, that school. We talked about SEC opponents. The SEC is always very highly regarded, even if Texas A&M did just fall to Appalachian State. Mm-hmm. Um you know, we'll see. I think this is going to be a, a competitive game. What is it? An, a nine o'clock game. Nine um, o'clock, we'll see. We'll see. Time. A nice, uh, nice nighttime game for that as well. Under the lights, a lot of pressure. That's where the legends are made. Uh, but now getting to the big dogs. Getting to week one of the NFL season, um, and it was a wild one. It was a lot. We got to start it off. Both of us, neither of us deserve dinner, I should bonk. say. Um, it was big, bad. Big bonk here. Uh, <laughs> the Bills absolutely dominated the Rams. And I want to know what you think. What was shown more? The Bills' talent or the Rams taking a step back from last year? I think the Bills are that good. They've got another year of chemistry under the belt, under their belt. Yeah, the Rams might take a step back a little bit, but... I really do think Buffalo is that good. That's why both you and I picked them to win the Super Bowl. That's why they're the consensus pick to win the Super Bowl. They are that dominant of a team, especially being able to overcome the turnovers in the first half. And they still won by 21. They won 31-10. to 10. They dominated the entire game. They did not punt once. Yeah. They scored on every possession besides the turnovers. There you go. They could have potentially scored 50-some points mm-hmm. in this game, yet... They still blew out the Rams mm-hmm. by twenty plus. It was after traveling across the country as yeah, well to yeah. SoFi. Um, it was insane. Von Miller looked like Von Miller, like yeah. his prime self. Besides his haircut, that I was, was gonna atrocious. Say, I was gonna say, um, he just had a random. He, he just had a random triangle. triangle on the back of his head. <laughs> um, they might be looking to get OBJ. The Bills are yeah. looking good. He's tweeting about um, them. There's just a lot that could happen with this team. Uh, Like we said, we think that this is our Super Bowl winner. They displayed that they could be right out of the gate. No lag at all. Nothing. Josh Allen looked dominant. That pass to to Stephon Diggs Mm -hmm. from the 50-yard line, that was insane. Um, It's wild. Uh, Steelers lost TJ Watt, lost Najee Harris, but still pulled out the win against the 2021 AFC champion Bengals. And this is these are the Pittsburgh Steelers we have come to know, really since 
the the killer B era when Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell headed out. Um, the last two years of Big Ben, they started 11-0 the first year. They backed their way into the playoffs, backed their way into the playoffs last year. This defense, they're going to get the Steelers to 500. They're going to yeah. be 9-8. and eight. They're going to be 10-7. and seven. Will that be enough to make the playoffs? I don't know. It doesn't matter who's playing quarterback. It could be Magic Mitch. It could be Kenny. There's. It doesn't matter. Defense had five takeaways. In the game. Let me just say, Minka Fitzpatrick, my God, yeah, like came Dominant. up came up big with the pick six against Burrow early. Then even at the end of the game, after the touchdown blocks the field goal, the PAT. I mean, send the game to overtime. Yeah, and then I mean, also let's. I also have to mention this. This is just in general for the NFL. How many missed field goals and yeah, PATs awesome. are we gonna get this this week? Oh, it was great. insane, uh, but. Minka, great, great game from him. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, not much more to say besides that. He showed out. He proved that this defense is still super dominant. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, win the Saints. Go marching in. And Jameis is starting to eat some dubs. And the <laughs> Saints are back in the fourth quarter win against the Falcons. Um, you know who else is back? Michael Thomas and Jarvis Landry. Yeah. Both of them. Slant boy. Great games. Especially Jarvis. Jarvis was great. Seven catches, 114 yards. Um, Kamara went missing. Yeah. Not much of him. Didn't hear uh, his name. Didn't really hear a lot of him. Again, uh, a slow start in fantasy as well if you're a fantasy player. <laughs> uh, and despite the loss, I didn't think Marcus Mariota looked bad. No, he was plenty solid. And I think he's the perfect bridge for the future in Atlanta, whatever they end up doing at the quarterback position. And he's going to help Kyle Pitts and Drake London develop into fantastic young yeah, players let's, and eventual veterans. Let's also mention that Drake London looked pretty yeah, solid himself, too. He looked like too. he was worthy of being the number one receiver taken. Yeah. He looked the part. Yeah, Kyle Pitts needs to step up just a little bit more, though. Yeah, not, especially not much. I think fantasy owners would agree with that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> trust me. I, I've got him. Trust me. <laughs> Kyle Pitts needs to step up. Uh, the Jags and the Commanders. Um, Jags, young team. New head coach. I'm basically treating this as if it's Trevor Lawrence's first year because last year was like Doesn't nothing. Count. Yeah. Um, Trayvon Walker looked like a number one pick. First rookie to have a sack and a pick in his debut since TJ Watt in 2017. Impressive. Um, he looked great. Mm-hmm. He had four four total tackles. Um, again, great. Not, not anything else to say about him. Just looked solid, and I'm excited to see what more comes from him. Um, Trevor Lawrence looked good, not great. Under pressure, I think he completed six of eighteen. Um, however, when there wasn't pressure on him, he completed twenty of twenty-three. There you go. Um, so he looked, he was very solid when he wasn't having to move with the ball. Um, a lot of mental mistakes. Uh, I want to say specifically, especially on that last drive, uh, he was rolling out left on their last play of the game weak side for a righty quarterback and then he just launches it downfield i mean you're trying to make a play just trying to do too much though Mm -hmm. um interception at the end of the game game over there were two intentional grounding calls at that point you just got to eat it you'd rather take the sack um than take the take the loss of down and the loss of yards you're already losing the yards anyway don't throw the ball just hold on to it um etn is going to be a problem but he also was a problem this week. Yeah. Um, he had a ball thrown to him at the one-yard line, had it in his hands for a touchdown, uh-huh. and spiked it to the ground. That was frustrating. Uh, and then another play, ETN burned uh, the secondary, and 
Trevor over Trevor overthrew him. Mm-hmm. It was like one 100%. or two one or two feet uh, out in front of him. Yeah. If he had him, that's the first drive of the game. You're already getting momentum on the, on that. Yeah. Um, and Etn and Trevor have that connection already from Clemson. Uh, those two are still going to be dangerous. I don't have any issue with Etn. I don't think he's going to struggle any anymore. Um, both him and Robinson also were on the field for 51% of the snaps, so they're going to look good. Um, Robinson has not missed a step off of his Achilles tear. He had two touchdowns on, on uh, Sunday. One catching, one rushing. Uh, looked very good. Um, again, like I said, hasn't missed a step. He's going to be great, and I think it's going to be a solid system having both ETN and uh, yeah. Robinson there. I think they're both going to look pretty pretty good in the backfield. Lawrence and, as well, having it too. Yeah, definitely. And it'll definitely, it'll definitely open up the run game too, especially I saw a couple of sets where they had ETN and Robinson out at the same time mm-hmm. um, to the right and left of Lawrence. So mm-hmm. I think it'll it'll open it up a little bit more. I like it. Uh, and Carson Wentz actually looked pretty solid as well. Um, even with two interceptions, found a way to win through four touchdowns. Uh, that last touchdown, Tyson Campbell, you got to turn around and try and get your hand in there. Um, <laughs> Dotson should not be laying on the ground and catching a ball when you're standing right next to him. Uh, another person that I didn't even mention here, Jahan Dotson. Uh, rookie, only rookie receiver to score a touchdown, and not only one, he scored two. Yeah. Uh, he had the commander's first touchdown in commander's history. It's pretty um, cool. So that's pretty awesome for him. Uh, it was a great game. It was a great battle. Uh, if the Jaguars started off quicker, started off less uh less slow they got down 14-3 and then had a 19 had 19 unanswered points and then inevitably lost the game on uh a 14 point turnaround after that uh it was frustrating but they looked good i'm not worried i think they'll have a solid season uh doug knows what he's doing so i think they're looking good well you want to talk about teams starting slow I'll tell you, man, I wanted to jump off of a bridge after watching the first half of that Giants game down 13 to nothing. Absolutely brutal. Um, sacks every third down. Danny strip sack. Um, it was absolutely atrocious. The offense did nothing. Barely ran the ball. Nothing but check downs. It was terrible. I hate it. Every minute of it. Second half. They come out. Explosive. Boom. Big plays. More big plays than I have seen since 2000, I guess, 18, 19, the Pat Shermer era. There was no such thing as a big play with Joe Judge. Um, Saquon ripped off a 60-something yard run, um, punched him with a touchdown. Saquon has his explosiveness back. He looks like his rookie yourself, 164 yards on the ground, another 30 receiving, one touchdown, the two-point conversion, which I'll get into in a bit. He's got his legs under, again, under him again. He makes the cuts. There are a lot of times last year where he frankly would just lose his balance. He would run out of his shoes because his legs did not have the strength to keep up with the rest of him. Um, he's also very physical this year. He's not dancing around. He's not going out of bounds to avoid hits. He is plowing you over time after time. There are Titans cornerbacks that would come up to him, and he would do his little juke thing, but he wouldn't pick a left or right side. He would just plow into you, get the extra two, three yards. He is not afraid of contact. It finally shows, I think, that he's 100% healthy. Yeah, finally. For totally. once for once in his, his career, he's year. 100% healthy. In his rookie year, um, he is healthy once again. Um, and speaking of healthy and Achilles tears that you mentioned, a certain Sterling Shepard 65-yard touchdown on the drive after Saquon had that 60-something yard run. Um, he looks like himself again. Great to see lining him up outside. He's more so of a slot receiver, but lining him out wide. It was great to see. Um Danny Dimes, Dimes questionable, got the job done. 
I never expected him to be a top 10 quarterback. He's not going to be the quarterback that single-handedly will win the game for you. But 17 of 21, 188 yards, two touchdowns. Not to mention that he and Josh Allen were the only two quarterbacks to have 0% of off-target throws. They did not have any off-target throws. All of all 21 of Daniel's throws were on target. They were catchable passes. Um, four incompletions. One of them was an interception. Um, interception was horrific. Look like rookie or Daniel needs to be patched up. After the interception, Coach Dable went up, spoke to him, got heated, explained to him what needed to change. He was better for the rest of the fourth quarter. Um, we never saw that with Pat Shermer. We never saw that with Joe Judge, obviously. It's amazing to see. Quick hit, Kadarius Tony played in only seven snaps. Brian Dable sent his press conference this week that Tony's still getting up to speed with the playbook, trying to figure everything out. Showed up late to training camp, didn't really go to OTAs, just got to get caught up in the Giants system. I think he's going to play more each and each week. But for the seven snaps he was on, he makes a difference just by being on the field. Defenses have to respect him. And the two touches he had, they were both running plays. One time they tried to get him involved in a passing game. And he was able to outmaneuver four Titans defensive linemen right in front of him, cut back across the field, pick up five yards. When he has the ball in his hands, he is so special. Now, the two-point conversion, the greatest thing. Oh, I say the missed field goal by Randy Bullock. Thank you, Randy. Um, former New York Giant as well. Appreciate that for the missed field goal. He was doing it, he was doing it for the former team. He was, yeah. Well, he, he, uh, he loves New York. He missed a field goal uh, against the Jets I think, oh, two, okay. two years ago as well. Um, he likes to – that's who he is. But this two-point conversion, the greatest moment since, I don't even know, 2016 probably. Um, that was the last time that the Giants made the playoffs. Um, Coach Dable has gotten all of the credit, and he should, for this victory. But I want to highlight the last play on the two-point conversion, which is a play called Power Shovel, which Kansas City has brought into the game. I was it is a say, Patrick Mahomes staple. It looked similar to like what they do with Travis Kelsey. That is exactly what they do. Kansas City has been doing it for five, six years, even with Alex Smith. It's an Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy invention. They have been using it for a very long time. And they do it with fullbacks. They do it with running backs. They do it with tight ends. The Giants did it with Daniel to Saquon. So Dable, all the credit, all the credit, all the credit, <laughs> yes. But Mike Kafka... Giants offensive coordinator, who was the play caller on offense? He called all of the plays. It was not Dable. Kafka, who's the quarterback's coach in Kansas City, comes to New York, very first game, saves up the power shovel for the last play of the game and calls it perfectly. The, the secret weapon. I'm just saying. Well, if Give Dable all the credit. He's the one that called going for two and everything. But Mike Kafka, man, shout out to you. No one has mentioned your name. That is your play. You brought it over from Kansas City. If that's the case, I'm waiting for Peterson to break out Philly Philly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but now, um, you know, mentioning that, the AFC South did not win a game on Sunday either. That's yeah, something That's something. Considering they played know. each other, yeah. too. <laughs> uh, there was a tie with uh, Indianapolis and Houston. Um <laughs> Yeah, so I don't really know. Uh, we'll see. AFC You're South is, is win, yeah, they're, the, the Jags are technically yeah. tied for third. So <laughs> <laughs> um, the Cowboys and the Bucks Sunday night, Cowboys lose Dak. He's out, he's out six, over. six to eight weeks. Season's over. Um, lose to the Bucks. 
Yeah, they have no. There's really nothing I for love them. It. Cooper, I love it. Cooper Rush. Cooper. You, you don't think Cooper Rush is gonna be Dak? No, because no, I, I don't. Because I don't. And uh, <laughs> um, the rest of the NFC East all won as well. Yeah, and uh, they're so also the home. only team in the NFL to not score a touchdown in the opening week, which is impressive because there are a lot of horrific teams looking at you, the New York Jets. <laughs> so, uh, pretty good. And um, Monday night, Seattle. Yeah. Denver. How about that for a game? They take the ball out of Russell, Russell Wilson's, Wilson's hands man. to kick the second longest field goal in Ever. NFL history, and, and then it's wide left. And then Nathaniel Hackett backtracks and says, yeah, I should have let Russ have the ball. Yeah, yeah you dumb dumb. You pay the guy $250 million. Well, Don't I saw, take the ball out of his hands. I saw a tweet of, saying, of someone saying, Broncos country, left wide. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, rough, rough start for... Denver, but I got to give Seattle credit. Gotta give I got to give Geno credit. I, say, I gotta give Geno Smith credit because yeah. nobody was, nobody thought they were gonna do anything in that game. And that man and that team, they looked good. Charles Cross looked really good too. As Geno said in the post game interview, everybody wrote him off. He, didn't, he write didn't write back. back. I didn't, didn't, write, back. Write, didn't write, back. write back. I didn't write back. <laughs> quote of the year. The baller quote. Of the year. quote. Uh, but now week two, we're gonna start something new here on Slinging Sports. We are going to. Each pick three unique games, so Wally will pick three and I will pick three. We each have to select the winner for that game each week, and you get one lock per week, which is worth two points. Each correct game is worth one point. Um, we will tally up the points each week, keep it, uh, keep you updated every week, and from there, we're going to have a little wager at the end of the season we don't really know quite what it is yet. We'll be releasing that within a week and a half or so. Yeah. Um, but let's get it started. Um, we're going to do these rapid fire as well, like one sentence for each. Um, Jacksonville, Indiana. Indianapolis, Indi- you mean? I said Indiana. <laughs> yeah. Jacksonville, Indianapolis. Uh, Indianapolis has not won in Jacksonville since 2014. I feel like the Jags are riding high. They still looked strong. I'm going Jacksonville. Little bias as well. Yeah, I wonder why. I'm going Indianapolis. I think they break the streak uh, from 2014. And I, I, I don't see a team with Matt Ryan and Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman. Sorry for blabbering. It's, I know it's only supposed to be one sentence. That's fine. I don't see them starting 0-1-1. That's gross. We'll see. Indianapolis. We'll see. We'll see. Um, Tampa Bay, New Orleans. Uh, I'm taking Tampa Bay. I'm not betting against Tom. I know that he has struggled mightily against New Orleans since he got to Tampa. But I think he breaks the struggles. He's got a different head coach, not named Bruce Arians. I think he'll have a bit more success with Todd Bowles. Tampa Bay. Famous Jameis keeps eating dubs. I'm going New Orleans with Michael Thomas, Jarvis Landry, and Alvin Kamara actually getting some production this week. Um, Las Vegas and Arizona. I'm going to go with Las Vegas. Arizona looked absolutely horrific against Kansas City. We didn't even talk about the Chiefs because it's just expected of them. But Arizona was terrible. Vegas had a very tough matchup against the Chargers. They were in it. I think this is the Derek Carr, Devontae Adams breakout game. I'm taking Vegas. I'm going to shade that pick, but I am also going to make that my lock for the week. I'm Mm. taking Vegas as my lock against Arizona. I think Mm. Derek Carr, Devontae Adams, they're all going to look great. Um, Vegas, easy. All right. Now we're going Minnesota and Philadelphia, Monday night. Uh, Philadelphia is coming off a bit of a squeaker against Detroit. Defense was absolutely terrible, but the offense lived up to its expectations. Minnesota, dominant against Green Bay. And this is the second straight year of Aaron Rodgers doing absolutely nothing in week one for some reason. It's just his bye week. 
<laughs> but I'm going to take Minnesota. They're riding high right now, and I'm going to make that my lock of the week. Minnesota, easy in this game. Philadelphia's secondary looked awful against Detroit. Um, imagine what they're going to look like against Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. They're, they're going to look absolutely terrible. Um, Minnesota, easy and big. Um, Kansas City and the Chargers. I don't know what I'm. I don't know what I'm signing at. Kansas City. I'm taking Kansas City. This is the first Thursday night game in the Amazon era as well. Um, Chargers. They're both going to the two of them. They're the top dogs in the AFC West, in my opinion. Vegas is right there as well. But the two of them is their division to win. Um, Patrick Mahomes, five touchdowns, three hundred something yards, like last week. So casual. Nobody's even talking about it because it's just expected of him. I'm taking the Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes did not skip a beat, and he will not skip a beat in week two. Patrick Mahomes, easy, four touchdowns. Again, um, no Keenan Allen for the Chargers either, I would like to add. Uh, you know, I just, Mike Williams didn't show up for them either. Uh, mm-hmm. I like Justin Herbert. I like the Chargers, but I think Kansas City takes this one at least by two touchdowns. Mm. Uh, now, final game Miami and Baltimore. This is a tough one for me. This is probably the toughest one for me. Both teams are 1-0, coming off of wins against AFC East teams. Um, Tua looked good. Tua looked good with Tyreek. Tyreek Hill did not miss a beat from the trade. Baltimore looks surprisingly good with uh, Devin DuVernay and Rashad Bateman. I'm going to go with Miami. I'm going to I'm gonna go Ooh. with Tua. I'm going to ride with Tua. Um, I've hyped up Lamar as much as I have. I'm going to ride with Tua. I'm a believer. See, I was going to say... I thought you were going to ride with Lamar. I'm going Miami as well okay. because I have faith in Tua. I've said this when we did our Buster Trust. Um, I like Tua. I like Tua a lot. I like Tyreek with Tua. And I even like Jalen Waddle with Tua, obviously. Yeah. I think that team is actually going to be solid and is going to give a lot of teams in the AFC a run for their money. Miami, easy. So our only two differences. Our only two differences are Jacksonville and, and Tampa New, Orleans. New Orleans. Okay. All right. All right. I'm looking well, forward. I'm looking forward to this throughout the season. Yeah, that was fun. I can't that was wait. Quick, I can't wait. Firing. That's what we got to keep doing it quicker. Yeah. Well, uh, we might have to pick some harder matchups next next week. Yeah. Uh, this week seems a little bit easier, but I feel like there's not really many to go off of this week. Um, hey, Giants and Panthers, we'll man! See. It's the game of the week. I'm telling it you, it definitely is not. I'm telling you, dude, it definitely <laughs> is not. But but while they're waiting to see what our results are for this week, Waldy, where can they find us? You can hit us up at Slinging Sports on Instagram and at Slinging underscore Sports on Twitter. That is the number one way to know when the episode drops. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to another awesome week. Thanks for checking out another week. We will be back for episode four of season two next week. We cannot wait. There's going to be so much more to talk about week two of the NFL season, making our picks for week three, talking about the NCAA. There is so much going on in the sports world right now. The MLB is even heating up. We cannot wait to see you next week. Thank you all for listening. See you in the next one. Peace.